0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: There's still time to take advantage of great offers from Ruback Fine Jewelry. Everything in Ruback's cases are on sale for a limited time, but you need to hurry and set an appointment before that offer is over. Ruback has made safety a priority. So they are currently appointment only. The best part of that is you're going to have Ruback's owners, Hal's, full attention when you come in. Uh, I know firsthand that this is a no pressure environment. Hal is there to help you without pushing you to a price range that you're not comfortable with. I promise you, your price range can go farther with Ruback because they're well connected in the industry and they make their own jewelry. Set an appointment today to see if you can take advantage of the discounts on their already well-priced pieces. You still have time before Christmas to get the right present for someone you care about. Set up your appointment before the holidays. Check out their website or their Instagram. Check them out at Ruback Fine Jewelry KC. They've, all, they've got all kinds of stuff going on on that as well. It's great. And you can make you can make an appointment from their bio. It's great. So make sure you're checking them out. Let's start the show. Your Kansas City Chiefs win on Sunday Night Football. They uh, perform in their red on reds to an adequate level, I guess, enough to win a football game. Uh, can't get too mad. Eleven and one, and uh, your Kansas City Chiefs looking uh, looking to you know potentially get that one seed if they keep putting wins together. Maddie, initial thoughts on the game? What you think? It's a lot of what I expected. I expected the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't come out
2: flat. The Chiefs come out erratic and wild. They come out with just self-destroying themselves, and that's exactly what happened this game time and time again. Then the defense looked disinterested at times. This is what I thought you were going to see from the Chiefs playing the Broncos on a home primetime game, smack in between two important games on either side of it. It's a, a traditional trap game. Chiefs played it like such. It's what I expected, and I'm somehow still let down. And Craig, my friend here that is with us, he thought the Chiefs were going to blow out the Broncos, so I can only imagine how he's feeling.
0: (laughs) I just expected that Steve Spagnuolo was going to be able to fabricate a lot of the pressure that he did against Tampa Bay with some good blitzes. And we know what Drew Locke does when he is pressured. He folds like a wet cardboard tube. That didn't happen. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo did blitz some, but it didn't really bring the pressure much. So that resulted in some some sustained drives. The run defense was not particularly good. All things that we're going to get to. But the Chiefs defense did step up strong at the end of the game. Really got off the field three times there. Allowed the offense to cling to the lead that they did. So hat tip to them, but largely a forgettable game by the Chiefs as a whole. They don't score
1: 23 points, which I believe is the first time in 25 games. Their streak is over. Long live the streak. Uh, shout out Rainey, Rainey Gazzarelli for that one. Um, and the funny thing is, they had one called back on a iffy holding call. They had a touchdown to Tyreek Hill, held, called back on an iffy holding call. They had uh, another touchdown that they could have challenged and got. <laughs> but wound up quick punting because Dave Tobe was so eager to get the ball off. Uh, Tyree Kill involved on both of those plays. But, Maddie, you kind of wanted to talk about It's kind of been a little bit of an up-and-down performance uh, from Tyree Kill after a big, booming game. I think Tyree Kill, as much
2: as any other player on the Chiefs team – and just has some serious ups and downs with this play. Just, it seems like, in terms of focus, you and it we've joked about that's kind of Sammy Watkins, too. You can tell from like play one when Sammy, when you're getting 110% Sammy Watkins, and when you're getting the walking 80% Sammy Watkins that you usually get. But Tyreek kills almost as bad, but his isn't a physical perspective, it's just how much he's invested in the game. From the get-go, you see Tyreek Hill kind of lose the slightly misplaced, maybe very misplaced deep ball from Patrick Mahomes on the first drive. He just never finds it in the lights. Later on, you see him kind of trying to style as he hops into the end zone, catching an open touchdown pass, which he does catch, but doesn't realize he catches it after it's ruled incomplete. You had Tyreek Hill that clearly is one of the best receivers in the league when he cares, when he's focused. And this game just seemed like a game where he wasn't completely focused. He had a couple mental errors that I've mentioned. He had the other one where he ran out the clock at the end of the first half. You go back and look at some of these Chiefs games where they have a lot of ups and downs. You'll almost always find a couple Tyreek Hill mental blunders, whether it's wide open drops, whether you see him run the wrong route, run backwards a little bit. He just has a lot of moments like that in games that are against the not the best competition. So I feel like... If you want a good indication how mentally ready the Chiefs are into the game, watch Tyreek Hill pretty early on. If you see him making mental errors and starting to check out of some things, some drops, concentration drops, running wrong routes, little things like that, it may be a game that the Chiefs feel like they have in the bag and you're not going to get the 110% effort that you get against the Buccaneers in the first half.
0: I think that this is kind of similar to maybe where Travis Kelsey was at this point in his career, this many years into his career. You saw some, you know, mistakes. You saw some lack of focus. You saw some penalties that maybe didn't necessarily need to get, you know, there's just things like that that happen. that doesn't mean that he's not one of the three best players that's on the field at any given time. He is, but you do see a frustrating lack of focus at times. You see a frustrating lack of execution at times. And then, you know, situational football. Like Maddie said there, at the end of the half, Chiefs could have gotten off another play probably if he just goes down, if he takes off to that sideline. It just There was a lot of little things this week out of Tyreek Hill that you expect more from the Chiefs number one receiver, which he clearly is. I'm sure this is going to be something that they're going to point out to him on the tape. And I'm sure next week you're going to see a much more focused player. But it is something that's worth noting. Uh,
1: That... Second touchdown where he backflipped in the end zone, which was awesome. <laughs> and I think it's just kind of weird. We're talking about a guy that actually had two touchdowns, probably, he did. that mm-hmm. get called off. And, you know, but there was still some, I, I'm not going to argue, there was some errors that you kind of saw that aren't really, you know, common to him as far as just like week to week. Uh, but, anyways, if he'd caught that touchdown at the end of the game, he would have been leading the National Football League in receding yards again, just so you know. Uh, Travis Kelsey came up five short of overtaking DK Metcalf this week. Um, it wasn't Tyreek Hill, only one making some mental errors, Craig. Oh, Craig's fired up. I can already tell a little bit. He's a little angsty. Uh, the coaching miscues in this game, there's some weird decision making, uh, throughout this
0: football game. You gotta, you gotta shine some light on it, Craig. Okay. So it starts with that Tyreek Hill touchdown. Nobody in the booth, nobody on the coaching staff takes a look at that play and radios down to Andy and says, Hey, we're taking a look at this. Please don't snap the ball with 10 seconds left to get this punt off. The broadcast team realized it right as the Chiefs were punting. Nobody in the Chiefs booth saw it. That's on coaching. You can't have that sort of thing happen. That wiped seven points off the board and would have made this game a lot more comfortable for a lot longer Then you want to start talking about Steve Spagnuolo going to a dime defense far too readily. We're going to get more into that here in a little bit. We're talking about red zone execution. That was poor. You're talking about offensive linemen that aren't coached how to jab a guy in the stomach when they're lifting their arms up trying to swap passes. There were just far too many mental coaching mistakes that were just readily available that were right there on the table and they just weren't uh, the Chiefs just didn't execute at a high level because of that I think some of the decision making on the fourth downs
1: I think is something you need to shine a little bit of light on the Chiefs just settled for field goals the entire game and like without being remotely aggressive just kind of just decided to settle for you know field goals in the red zone like at some point you got to be a little bit more aggressive you comp you kind of combine all those things with each other um, you combine not challenging the touchdown, uh, not, you know, if Tyreek Hill gets down in the red zone with 10 seconds left, they use that last time. I mean, the cheese kicked a field goal. They had they the ball for 33 seconds. They wound up kicking a chip shot field goal from four yards out. And they had a tied a timeout in their pocket because Tyreek Hill didn't get down. They could have called a timeout. They could have had two shots in the end zone before they kicked the field goal. Or you know they are uh, like there's there's all kinds of like mi- mistakes really in there and the reason that this game was closer than it was is in, is revealed in those little mental errors, Maddie. Well, I mean, I
2: think you have to go back to that very first one because that's just egregious. The Chiefs punted with over ten seconds left on the play clock. Like that punt got in so fast. Whether you want to talk about the replays and all that, like clearly Tyree Kill didn't think he caught the ball. Andy Reid, you saw him on the sideline going up and like, why didn't you tell me? Tyree Kill, had no idea. So fine, that is what it is. You get past that. But why are the Chiefs punting the ball with over 10 seconds left? I think it was closer to 14 seconds left on the playcock when they snapped the football to punt What is the point of doing that? There was clearly some form of contested catch situation that nobody could see clearly. How is nobody up top just getting it down to them to not go quickly, to slow it down? It's just wild, that whole situation. You have another situation later in the game where Sammy Watkins drops a ball, they roll a catch, and the Chiefs were in their hurry-up offense, but not their hurry-up offense. Mm -hmm. They were a little slower than they needed to be getting going. That challenge probably gets in regardless, but the Chiefs weren't ready to roll if it doesn't get through. There was just the coaching staff definitely gave this like a C effort. It seemed like during the game, not even leading up to just during the game, it was like a C effort. And I think you can see a lot of that going into, I think our next subject, the red zone offense, because boy,
1: Kent, I need you to explain to me what this team is doing in the red zone. Um. Well, honestly, first off, you know, some of the cute stuff they do actually works. Like let's just be honest, some of the cute stuff that they do actually works, and it has in the past. I don't have a problem with Ferrari. I don't think that that's a problem. I like the series that they're building off of that. It's had a, some success. Um I don't love getting cute in the red zone at the One Yard and trying to and, and taking the ball out of Patrick Levon Mahomes hands I believe three straight times before kicking a field goal. I the, the decision-making, when they run, when they don't, um, some of the stuff that they get too cute, too cute I understand. But even – I'm not a completely opposed to taking away all the cute stuff. Um, but overall, I just think it's just a disjointed – it's a disjointed you know space down there. The Chiefs have not found a way to be consistent in any way, shape, or form. Um, I like that they work laterally. I hated the little fake reverse thing to Tyreek Hill on that third, on that third and one that ultimately forced him to kick a field goal. Um, I could do without that. Um, but just, I, I don't want their identity is kind of getting cute. And when it doesn't work, it looks really, really, really ugly, Maddie.
2: But I mean, we had this issue last year. The chiefs red zone offense took a big hit last year. So, If you go through the Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs offense, you have Alex Smith years where you have a pretty good run game, you do some fun stuff, and the Chiefs were kind of gimmicky in the red zone, but they also had a quality run game they could lean on and score that way. Then you get the surge of Patrick Mahomes where they just all of a sudden are throwing the ball on a lot of horizontal stretching plays, a lot of drag routes using Patrick Mahomes' arm in the red zone, his 50-touchdown MVP kind of season. They have this fantastic red zone success rate. Last year at Dips, we have multiple podcasts where we talk about why can't they score in the red zone? Why is everything a trick play? What are they doing? This year it starts out pretty good. You have a pretty good balance this year of trick plays and finding other stuff, but as the year's gone on, you can see it. When the Broncos hit the red zone, what do they do? They're looking for Tim Patrick on a fade route. When the Seahawks hit the red zone, what are they doing? They're trying to run it. They're finding their big receivers on these kind of fade routes. The Chiefs Their go-to move in the red zone is try to dupe you with misdirection. And if you don't fall for it, if you just play disciplined football, they kind of struggle for the rest of the game. They can't run the ball up the middle because their interior offensive line is awful. They don't run slants or fade routes inside the red zone at all. They have no just basic red zone plays. Once the Chiefs get inside the 10-yard line and that vertical stretch element's gone, their offense becomes how can they cause misdirection and get an easy score in space using their athleticism or trying to trick you with a shovel pass. It's all misdirection-based, and the Broncos just let that happen. The Chiefs' red zone offense looked absolutely horrendous with no plan. They need to figure out something. You have the best tight end in football. You have the best wide receiver in football. Figure out a way to make this work in the red zone. You shouldn't need 50 yards of real estate to make this work.
0: Vic Fangio is a fantastic defensive coordinator, if he head coach, but a fantastic defensive coordinator, allowed everything underneath, tighten up in the red zone, force Andy Reid to win with the cute stuff because the Denver just gloved up the receivers in the in the red zone there without the vertical stretch to worry about and relied on his defensive line to get home with four against the pass and to win up front against the run with those same four guys, and they did. And large part, getting to our very next topic here, is because the Chiefs are struggling badly with their interior offensive line. This is just part of the team's identity as it stands right now, and they haven't made a change yet.
2: The offensive line, it's starting to become a problem. The Chiefs' offensive line, the interior offensive line's been bad all year. I think everybody knows that. We've seen it, you know, week in and week out. They can't run the ball, their pass protection's iffy, so on and so forth. This week, it finally came up. Mike Rimmers, who is a backup tackle probably a better backup guard than he is a backup tackle, finally became a little bit of a problem. There were a couple plays they missed because Remmers was getting beat, usually by Bradley Chubb. The offensive line isn't great. It's going to be an issue going forward. I don't think it's so bad that Patrick Mahomes and company can't overcome it, but it is at a point to where when they're making mental issues or mistakes like they were today, when they are not playing a B Plus a level game, it's going to cost them against good teams. Like it has been that bad. I'm actually a little afraid of what the Steelers' defense is going to do to this offensive line. I don't know how the Chiefs are going to find a way to consistently move the ball against a, a pass rush of that
1: level because this
2: Broncos pass rush looked dominant and they are not good against anybody else.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a cause for concern. I think Mahomes adjusted to it a couple times getting depth in some situations where the tackles weren't too set that they, he could, you know, kind of rear back and and you know give himself a little bit of a time. But I think you saw, you know, Mahomes beat some really remarkable plays this this game, but a lot of it was accounting for his poor offensive line beating pressure, having to get creative out of the pocket, having to get creative within the pocket, different arm angles because there's closing pressure. Um, it wasn't a particularly strong performance from them, especially in protection. They don't try, but, uh, you know, we could go back a little bit to the red zone. I don't know if they really trust this group to run, you know, gain a yard inside, you know, in, inside, you know, in the deep red, I don't think they really trust this group enough to run the football effectively. Um, and that's pr- that's why they get cute. That's why they try to get laterally. Now, I don't want to completely just dunk on the red zone calling entirely because like, I think getting laterally has been pretty successful for this team with Tyreek Hill. There's just so many. There's only so many ways you can do it, and that's part of the problem. Like, you, you know, like you, you gotta pace yourself a little bit with some of this stuff. And there's only so many ways that you can get that little jet, ju- that little jet going to him. So you gotta kind of try to figure out and pick your spots. But but the reality is the reason that they, this team gets cues they don't trust their offensive line to get one yard, and they did. You know, they they really just you know they gotta try to do it a lot, a variety of different things. It's never as simple as just you know turn around and hand the football, ever with this group. So protection running the football, it's you're right. It's starting to become a problem.
0: And heck, they don't even trust – Patrick Mahomes doesn't even trust them to run block when they've got even numbers in the box sometimes. I think you saw it pointed out a couple of times on the broadcast that the box was light for some of these running backs, and Patrick Mahomes still pulled it and threw a four-yard pass. That's fine because the offense – Works when Patrick Mahomes is dealing, and Patrick Mahomes made this offensive line look really uh, look a lot better than I was going to say that that made him look really good, definitely didn't look really good, made him look a lot better than they actually were tonight. He made a lot of things happen, he was truly awesome in the in between the 20s, basically. But there were times where he had light boxes, and they had big holes that they could have handed the ball off, and they don't trust it because they don't know if those light boxes are still going to translate in a stop. Patrick Mahomes would rather throw the ball, put the ball in the hands of Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and have them going forward than trust them to line up and gain four yards on a handoff. They do sometimes get some of those going. They kind of did a little bit towards the end of the game with Daryl Williams. But frankly, it's just not consistent enough to where Andy Reid can trust them to line up and trust them to gain a yard in the red zone. That's bad news. That can't happen. Real quick, uh,
1: one thing we really kind of glossed over talking about this game, and you kind of just wonder if this is just throwing this football team for a loop a little bit. Kind of forgot about this. The Chiefs had a COVID scare this morning at 3:30 mm-hmm. in the morning. Where they believe that seven players and coaches had positive COVID tests. So throw that in, throw that wrench into this all thing. You know, you never know what happens there. I just, I'm not excusing any any of the performance for that. I just find it interesting that they've had to go in and adjust to that. Um, Patrick Mahomes, real quick, before we jump onto the defensive side of the football, Patrick Mahomes, I think largely was really, really good. There was some plays that got batted down there was some ridiculously creative plays that i cannot wait to talk about on ArrowheadPride.com. look at that plug for the article um i you know his stat line you know he has a pretty solid stat line but i think it you know i think he actually outperformed what did that looked like 25 of 40 for 318 couple drop touchdowns or a couple touchdowns that got called back i mean
2: I mean, the chiefs had
1: 350 plus
2: yard touchdowns that true. they lost out to because of I'm gonna I make mean, mental errors. The first one with Hill losing the ball in the lights. Patrick Mahomes also put it over the wrong shoulder. But I mean, they had three fifty-plus yard touchdowns that they didn't get because of their own problems. Nothing that Denver did.
1: And Patrick Mahomes still goes twenty-five of
0: 40, 318 yards. In could have been, could have been <laughs> four hundred and three tutties. My goodness, Patrick, get get your stuff together. Learn more at marines.com.
1: All right, let's talk about the defensive side of the football. I think there's some positives to take away, but, we, I, but should we start with something? Start, let's start with something positive, actually, because it sure. feels like we're just way down. Sure. And we probably, the Chiefs won the game. They're 11-1. and one. It was an <laughs> ugly performance. They didn't really show signs of improvement or get better in any sense. The word is Drew Locke. You should, you should hold Drew Locke to 16 points. You should hold Drew Locke to 6 points. Drew Locke scored more today than like the last two per- – well, no, that's not, that's not tr- quite true. But it feels like Drew Locke <laughs> scored more points this week than he ever has against the Chiefs, like, combined. But we'll get to some negatives. I think we got to start. A couple guys that had a really strong performances in the back end of their defense, Craig.
0: Yeah, I, I think the game that everybody was waiting for out of Tyron Matthew, since he's been out here tweeting after games and everybody is starting to – to harp on him a little bit, the man showed out. These were not gimme picks that he made today. He had two of them. Those were really well-read plays. He was able to jump both of them, make the play. Big impact plays. One of them deep in a drive and, you know, Chiefs one by 6 That's a big, big deal. And then another one to ice the game at the end of it. He made another fantastic run stop on a run blitz. He looked better. Much, much, much better than we've seen him potentially all year long. Now, tackling was still a little bit of an issue when he's coming up. I don't know if he's got something going on with shoulder or whatever the case may be, but this is the type of player that you can live with because he's making those impact plays. I talked earlier this week about how Dan Sorensen was the guy that you went to for an impact play because that safety group, by and large, was not coming up with them. Well, Tyron Matthew shows up, two interceptions, a tackle for loss. That's a phenomenal performance by Tyron Matthew. Love seeing that out of the Honey Badger because if he's going to come out here and talk the talk when we get into December, you expect him to walk the walk, and he's doing it right now.
2: And if Tyron Matthew was your best player on defense for the team, the easy second best was LeJarius Sneed. He's playing in the slot. I still would like to see him outside, but I'll tell you what. He keeps playing like this in the slot. The Chiefs might not want to push him back outside. Steed had some good coverage reps. There was a missed tackle on third down, which sucked. But outside of that, which was still good coverage for the third down against the speed out out of the slot... He had some other really good coverage reps where he was in tight, but he was making plays versus the run. He was probably the Chiefs' best second-level run defender, and I don't say that lightly, because Anthony Hitchens is playing pretty good football right now. Willie Gay made a couple nice plays, but Steed seemed to be the only guy that was filling in that was fitting the run relatively well from the second level. He made a lot of big tackles in the open field. He dumped Derek Garrett Bowles on the ground at one point in time. He was all over the field versus the run versus the pass. I think Steeds really kind of understanding the position that he's in now. He was able to keep on the field, stay on the field, keep Rashad fit, and a little bit more on the sideline than a couple more games in the past. It's clicking for him on the inside. I really like what you're seeing from him from a physicality and a mentality standpoint. He's really picking it up right now. The Chiefs need it. The Chiefs need another player to step up, somebody that patrols that second-level area, because with Thornhill not playing a lot... Matthew spends a lot more time deep with Sorensen. They need somebody else playing near the line of scrimmage that's kind of freelancing around a little bit.
1: Yeah, luxurious Sneed, I just want to touch base on him. I'm glad you talked about his ability as a tackler because I thought he was really good there. My man Body Garrett Bowles, the bodied. $17 million a year offensive tackle that John Elway paid because he's got to pay his own guys above market value to show how valuable of a drafter he is. But Lejarius Sneed, I thought he had an outstanding day. Um, he, you know, it, it feels like every week Lejarius Sneed gets an opportunity to make a play on a football. That's not an accident. That doesn't just happen by accident. Lejarius Sneed, again. He he almost had another interception on his name. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a couple almost since he's been back. But he's always around the football. And there's good things happen when you're doing the right thing. And I say this all the time when we're talking about LeJarius Sneed. There, he's always around the ball making a play. Or or coming close to making a play. I thought or like a big play. I mean, he still made a play on the ball down on that on that near interception, but like he could have been another interception. The man is I think you gotta be thrilled whether he's playing inside or outside. There's just a lot to like about his game. Um, and we're I think he's the best cornerback on this football team. Flat out. I just I, – he continues to make that case. Bashad Breeland had another bad game. You know, this little up and down. Last week it was better. This week it was real not better. Uh, you've got to – you know, I, Jerry Sneed, he's a small sample size. The sample size is getting big, and he continues to go out and make plays. I think there's a lot to like about that, Craig.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to like about LeJarius Sneed. I like that they trust him in the box as much as they do. When you saw them move towards Tyron Matthew last year as a slot defender when Kendall Fuller got hurt, that was largely a a bail defender, a guy that was rotating deep into some split safety looks and you'd maybe have Dan Sorensen kicked down in the box against the run guys, luxurious need lines up right next to Anthony Hitchens. Like, he is a willing participant in the run fit. He is taking on guards and tackles, fullbacks, tight ends. He's throwing himself into the run fit, and that's making a difference in the nickel run fit. It really, really, really is. Having a guy that's that willing makes it a lot easier, especially one that can stand up to Garrett Bowles and, you know, maybe put his weight on him a little bit and be able to make a play these are the things that you need out of your nickel because the Chiefs' nickel run defense is not good. There's not a lot of willing participants once they switch away from that base defense to fill every single gap. Having LeJarius Sneed there just adds a different element, and especially since you can trust him to kick out there in the slot, you can trust his speed, you can trust his agility, his ability to flip on an out route out of the flat, make plays. That's great. There's a tackle that he missed this week. He's going to want that one back. But, man, you have to love what you're seeing out of the rookie. And you're kind of seeing why Steve Spagnuolo wants him there in the slot because it puts him in the box and it makes him a better run defense in the nickel. Kudos to Legereus Sneed for coming back from injury, transitioning away from the position that he was playing to the beginning, and making a major impact thus far.
1: All right. There's, there's one thing on the defensive side of the football the elephant in the room (laughs) from the defensive perspective the die run defense craig you have a stat for us
0: yeah i have a very unfortunate stat for us when the chiefs were in the dime the denver broncos decided that they could run the football it didn't matter if it was third down and five six seven they decided we're cool with running the football they lined up And in six attempts, they rushed for 102 yards. The big Melvin Gordon run early. On third and three, Steve Spagnolo decided rather than try and protect and put a little better run defense on the field, he went to the dime. That's going to be lighter boxes, Ben Neiman calling the front, and what you see is Melvin Gordon ripping off a 65-yard run. The result on those six attempts, 17 yards a carry. It wasn't just that one run. It was largely all bad. The Denver Broncos felt like it didn't matter the down or distance. Yes, they wanted Drew Locke in those downs and distances because they wanted Drew Locke to throw the ball because that's when Drew Locke makes his major mistakes thrown into that kind of coverage on gotta have it passing downs where they can bring pressure. They instead ran the ball. And when they ran the ball, they found great, great success. That is a potential fatal flaw for this defense because they rely on Ben Neiman to come in and call the fronts. They rely on him to be that Mike and make sure that everybody's on the same page. And then it doesn't help that, you know, they typically put Tershawn Wharton and Chris Jones in the middle of the defense who aren't great run defenders. But those are the guys you want rushing the passer. But teams may see that going forward and just decide, hey, listen, if we need five, if it's third and five and Spagnuolo's out here in his dime, let's hand the ball off out of 11 personnel and say, go ahead. Let's see what happens because chances are good you're going to be able to line up and get that first down anyway.
2: Between that interior cone that you mentioned there with Jones, Wharton, and then Ben Neiman, you also get a lot of Juan Thornhill on the field. And this isn't a pile on Juan Thornhill thing, but you saw on some of these runs, he's just so late to fill anymore When against the run. His angles aren't great in pursuit, but he is so late to react to any kind of run action. He's never... Anywhere within 5, 7, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. When he's filling the run from deep, it's becoming a problem. So if you're getting Tyron Matthew out in one slot, you're getting Sorensen on a tight end, so he's maybe blocked, you're relying on Thornhill to come run the alley, and he's just never there. You put that on top of Neiman, who's also really bad in his run fits, and then two defensive tackles that don't really have the strength to hold the point of attack, you get... Big runs right up the middle against this defense over and over again.
1: All right, boys, I think it's time for closing thoughts. Craig, why don't you kick us off?
0: I'm going to kick us off with Harrison Butker. It's been since the last time that these two teams played in week seven that Harrison Butker missed an extra point, and he was clutch today. Now, he didn't have to make a whole bunch from distance, but these were very needed field goals, eight A delay of game call that, frankly, is one of the worst that I've ever seen. That was not a delay of game, not even remotely close to a delay of game. Harrison Butker gets backed up. The man's got ice in his veins. That's that's for certain. When you put him in that situation, it doesn't matter how many times he's got to kick it. Lined up, nailed it. That was very good from special teams today. So that's good I think that we can maybe put the Butker extra point miss into bed a little bit. I'm reluctantly saying that, but it's been good for several weeks now. He looks like whatever the problem was that they got it fixed. So that's very, very good to see out of Butker.
2: Well, it's been since last week that we were reminded that Travis Kelsey is still the best tight end, potentially the best offensive weapon in all of football. That continued again. He was even two difficult but makeable catches away from an extra 60 yards, one deep ball down the sideline that A.J. Bouye kind of broke up, and then that ridiculous third and 20 throw from Mahomes that just glanced off his fingertips – Travis Kelsey is simply unguardable. You cannot play zone against the Chiefs and not have Travis Kelsey go for 100 yards. If you try to man him up, you better be willing to dedicate two guys to him and leave some other players one-on-one or no help over the top of Tyreek Hill. He is one of, if not the biggest mismatch in the NFL, and the Chiefs are utilizing him to every bit of that Without Travis Kelsey, I don't know what this team looks like this year. I mean, they're probably still a very good football team that's going to the playoffs, but they're not the Super Bowl favorites without him. He's been that good. He's that important to this team. As long as he's healthy, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, this team's going to be all right.
1: I just want to make sure that we acknowledge the fact that Patrick Mahomes threw a touchdown pass with someone literally dragging on his arm. The man, I like. I just, I want to appreciate that because that was just absurd. I mean, this, he literally he adjusted with a guy on his arm, threw a perfect strike to Travis Kelsey in the red zone for a touchdown. Um, obviously it was an ugly game. The Chiefs won ugly. They didn't lose ugly. There was no Chiefs to this. This football team continues to roll on. They have another tough game next week. Uh, against the Miami Dolphins on the road. Who would have thought it would have been a tough opponent on the road in the Miami Dolphins when the season started? But they are, and we'll get you ready on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel. Thank you guys so much for listening to the AP Laboratory Post Game Show. Chiefs win 22-16.
0: Your playoff birth clinching Kansas City Chiefs.